0: Well, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we are in the middle of a series called Abide. And this is in John chapter 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples and over and over again, he says, abide in me. In other words, I want you to make your home with me. I want you to stay close. I want you to to stay connected with me because that's how you're ultimately going to produce the things in your life that matter. And so we've been talking about ways that we abide. What are the spiritual habits and practices that we can walk in on a daily basis to continue to abide? And so we've gone through a couple of things. Last week we had an amazing message from Kathy on prayer, what that looks like, what that is, how we can walk in that. And I I know many of us are still digesting that and and, uh, trying to apply that. But we have another special speaker today um, who is... So unbelievably special to our Bridge family. Uh, He is somebody who has a heart of gold. And I know that's like a popular saying that gets thrown out a lot. It's true in this case. He has an absolute heart of gold. He cares about people, loves people so deeply, And is also just filled with wisdom and understanding. And so that's what we're going to get to take in today. So please help me give a warm welcome to Patrick Buds.
1: Good morning. Good morning, Bridge Church. How are y'all doing? Am I too loud? Okay, well, I'm just so excited this morning to be able to share this message that I've been um, working on the last few weeks, um, just sitting down and praying and um, just reading over scripture. Um, I, I know that there, I have an important message for you this morning that you can car- carry on, and um, I just want to begin is that I know that we spend um, so much of our time, uh, but are we familiar that, you know, there's 168 hours during the week, you know, and so all the times I, I you know, I just wonder and during my research, um, I know that one third of us spend our time sleeping. Then another one third of us spends our time at work, which leaves us exactly 56 hours remaining during the week. How many of us on here are social media throughout the day? How about Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat? There's Instagram. And now the parents may not know, but a lot of these kids are on Discord. And so they say that the average social media user spends 17 hours a week. Now, this leaves us with only 39 hours which I'm going to call other stuff. All the other stuff, and everyone here has some other stuff. It's taking the kids everywhere. Oh, dear God, I mean everywhere. (laughs) You guys taking the dance, gymnastic practices, baseball, basketball practices, soccer. You got to clean the car. You're going to the grocery store. You got to pay your bills. You're mowing the yard. You got to go to the gym and work out. Be with your friends. You're having barbecues. Then watching the next whatever series you have on Netflix. You all have all this other st- stuff, but hang on, hang on. There is one little dash left. And I, what what was that little dash? Let me look at my notes here. I forgot, I forgot. Uh, oh, yes, yes, uh, we're Christians, (laughs) that an hour goes to God. Obviously, a lot of you devote more than one hour to God, but unfortunately, some of us do not. So it's very obvious, if you devote one hour to something, into anything, you're probably not going to grow or improve significantly in that thing, right? If you only exercise one hour a week and eat whatever you want, you're probably not going to be a pillar of health. If you only spend one hour in the same room as your spouse, you're probably not going to have a dream marriage. If you only study kids for one hour a week, you're probably not going to graduate at the top of the class. You'll probably be lucky to graduate. So if we only partially devote ourselves to God, if we only spend one little time with God when it's easy or when it's convenient or we don't have anything else to do, it's no wonder we fall back into the same old sin. It's no wonder we rarely share our faith. It's no wonder we are more concerned what people think of us than what God thinks about us. It's no wonder we find ourselves lukewarm wondering if there's anything more in life. If we only give God what is left over, we have to ask ourselves, are we really devoted to him? If we want to live a life fully devoted to him, It's not going to happen by accident, because all the other stuff just seems to uh, uh, take over, all that other stuff in our life. No one has ever said, I I was just going through life, and um, I accidentally became a spiritual powerhouse. (laughs) Like, I I don't know what happened, but whoa, I'm close to God. Whoa, now all of a sudden, I I know the Bible, I woke up one morning and, and oh, I was blessed with a powerful ministry. I have no idea how it happened, but I became morally pure. It's not going to happen. If you want to be fully devoted to Jesus, it's never going to be accidental. It's intentional. Decide ahead of time that I want to live with an ongoing, not a one-time decision, but an ongoing, single-minded pursuit of Jesus. So how do we do that? How do we faithfully serve him in that way? Let us pray before I speak about the importance of reading scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful that I'm just, the pastor's asked me to come up here and just share a message and... Um, and it, the, I, I've been studying this, Father, and, and that I, I put these words down on paper because I just wanted to get it right. And, Father, I just ask that, you know, the words that we sit down together and we're just uh, noting down on paper is that it can flow to the, to the ears that are sitting here in this room, yeah. is that it can be applied in their life, is that, that we take your word and we just begin to take steps closer to you, Father, You know, I just pray for every single person, and and Lord, I just want this message to flow out smoothly so they will understand it, and they will take this with them. In your name, amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. I want to show you in John 15, as Pastor Dustin was just saying, is that I want to give you context before I get in, but when when Jesus was preparing as a disciple for his departure, You know, this would be one of the last conversations that he would have with them as a group. And you know, he if you can just place yourself in in that room when he was talking to his disciples and that knowing that Jesus was going to water, knowing that Jesus was gonna go to his death, that he was he was gonna sustain this this beating and and he was innocent. But this is a time when he has this conversation. And Jesus was talking to his disciples. In John 15, 5 through 8, he says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When you're the branch and connected to the vine you will bear spiritual fruit. What is spiritual fruit? According to Galatians 5:22 and this is my wife's favorite verse. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, have patience, have kindness, you have goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and self-control. Do you think your life would be empty, bearing spiritual fruit? No. Letting the Holy Spirit guide you produces a life pleasing to God, which human effort and law cannot do. My life used to be empty, but when I connected myself to God, my life began to be full of what matters. In fact, let's play a little game here. One word appears 11 times in this chapter in John 15. It's probably a very important word. What we're going to do is try to find that word. It says in John 15:4, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Remain means to abide. Our message. It means to dwell, live in. This is not just a one-hour weekly duty to God. Oh, I, I, I got to do my Bible study. I got to go to church to please God. No, this is a fully devoted all-in to the one who matters most. In Matthew six thirty three, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You know, when I sit down to read my Bible, it's, it's, in, the, it's in the late evening, and I know we have, there's different preferences. I know that my wife gets up early in the morning, and she's by herself, and it's quiet. Mine is late at night after she's gone to bed, and, and, and I'll go sit in my kitchen. Um, the only light that I have on is a little LED lamp that's positioned right over my Bible. I pray before I read, and I'm asking the Lord to show me like I've never read it before. And let me understand it in that time. While preparing for my message, I was immediately directed to a story in Luke 10, where Jesus enters the house of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him in her house. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, in some other translations, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You see, in 39, the position of Mary was typically for a disciple. Rabbis did not usually have females sitting at their feet. Hospitality was valued highly, and Martha was fulfilling her expected role as a woman. Jesus did not favor man over woman or woman over a man. Women were expected to serve domestically, and it was unusual for women to learn as a disciple from a rabbi. Jesus validated Mary's desire to simply sit and learn from him as the most important thing. Martha also learns that the very most important one thing is that Jesus wants for all of us. Jesus teaches Martha that the most important thing in life is to seek his presence. And and I continue studying, and and I was directed over uh, to David and Psalms, and here again it says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me when troubles come. He will hide me in the sanctuary, just filling his comfort here. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing, and praising the Lord's music. Searching for and enjoying the Lord's presence provides us the foundation for confidence and security. We're so blessed because we live in the full assurance of God's protection. We feel like when when the walls are are, uh, uh, caving around us or, or they're closing in, when anxiety and worry are at, at high capacity levels, we just need to find our way home back to God. That is where we find comfort. Stop wondering in your own thoughts and, and reserve that precious space of your mind for God's word. He is the one who will protect us, and he is the one who will hold us. All through scripture, people saw this as a priority. I just want to be alone in the, presence of God. Bridge Church family, please do not lose this valuable time meditating day and night on the word of God. Amen. Like Psalms 1 through 14. oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. That's right. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river, brand, the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Yes, they do. But not the wicked. They are like a worthless shaft scattered through the wind. As we discussed in John 15, bearing spiritual fruit, imagine the tree next to the river with the uh, constant flow of water the tree remains healthy because it's next to an unlimited source of water. That's why it's so important to read Scripture. When we get inside Scripture and begin having the words of God flow constantly over our lips day and night, His Word will change the core of who we are. If you have trouble asking for forgiveness or saying, I'm sorry, please keep reading his word. Just as the water maintains health for the tree, God's word will transform your heart. When we individually get alone with the word of God, we learn more about who God is and what he says for us. And that shines a light on everything in our life. It does. And it gives us a lot of perspective. You know, when I was studying, I I often, and I'm going to try my best to explain this, and I wrote it down, but when I, it, it's often that I will just meditate and I just start, I just start thinking about the wonderful things, the amazing things, the marvelous things that God does. And it's just my time between me and him. And so there's this many things that I will, I will sit down, but this one came to my mind, and I I tried my best to write this down. Um, but it's Moses on the mountain. And in Exodus 19, you have this amazing story where Moses walks up the mountain to meet with God Himself. And everyone else is standing at the face of the mountain because they're not allowed to go up. They see fire, they see smoke, the ground is shaking. And every time God speaks, they said it was like thunder, like a trumpet. Can you imagine being down there just going, I can't wait till Moses comes down? I can't wait to hear what it's like to be in the presence of God. Can you imagine how excited Moses was to come down and tell the people (laughs) with a radiant face saying, I just was with God. See, the church should be a bunch of people who spent time up on that mountaintop, alone with God. And then when we gather to talk about it, we're excited saying, I was in the presence of God. And someone says, well, this is what he said to me. And another person is saying, this is what he said to me. And we just sit around in our life groups, sharing the desires of our godly hearts. Think about how powerful the church would be if we all read the word of God together. So when we gather on Sunday, it isn't like we're starving and needed a word from the one pastor that came into the presence of God. No, everyone is dwelling on his word all week long. Just like all of us here now. Imagine all of us opening our Bibles and, and it, it, it just it stays quiet. And it's just quiet for a little while. We're just meditating on, on God's word while sitting through silence. Until somebody, somebody in the room finally steps up and says, here's what I've been looking at in Isaiah. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. That's right. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. That's right. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. That's right. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's right. God's plans are so marvelous, and we will never fully understand his thoughts. But I do know everything that we do for the kingdom of God matters, whether it's small tasks or something really large. I also know we must be centered on his truth, or we have a tendency to make up our own. We live in a time where everyone goes, hey, uh, this is is what I think. This is how I feel. And God's saying it doesn't matter. Like, like you see the heavens up there? You see how much higher than the earth? Because that's the way my thoughts are. So why do we spend all day looking inside ourselves and trying to figure out what we feel and what we think? If God tells us right there that his thoughts are not the same as ours, but they are infinitely higher, doesn't it make sense that all of us should be searching to learn God's perfect character? When you see our church family all of us searching the word of God because we love the thoughts of God and we see them as far superior to our own selfish needs that's what's going to bond our church together that's what will bond us together that's what unifies us is the word of God how amazing would it be if we saw believers all over the country commit to make the effort and say we're going to read through the bible Together. What if we really did the same, read the same passages of Scripture every day? Then every believer you come in contact with, you could fellowship over God's thoughts. How amazing would it be to be unified as a church and the people learn to discover truth, not just by listening to what everyone says, but by studying the Word for themselves? You know, like, like I, I don't get it at times. Like, how have we gone so far from what we see in Scripture where people say, this is the one thing I want, or the Son of God is the one thing necessary. Meanwhile, we have people who don't even long for the one thing that believers had longed for for all of history. It's time that we step up and get into the Word. It's time that we get into God's presence for ourselves. It's going to make our church much stronger. Bridge Church family, I don't want you to go hungry all week waiting for God's word from one of the pastors. We need to study the word of God and fellowship over it. Then our church, brothers and sisters, will stand up and on their own two feet because they know the importance of reading scriptures. That's when the church is going to be strong. That's when our people will no longer be tossed by every feeling. We'll look at the word of God, and we'll be the people of the word of God because we read scriptures for ourselves, and we know truth. I'm going to circle back to Mary and Martha, how I opened, and I'm going to close with this. In another portion of scripture, after Lazarus dies, we see Martha express a remarkable amount of faith in Jesus as the son of God. In chapter 11, we read about Mary and Martha sending an urgent word to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick. Jesus had delayed coming to see them, and Lazarus died. For the sake of time, I'll begin with Martha when she learned that Jesus was coming, and she runs to meet him. In John 11, 27, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would have not have died. Maybe Martha was complaining a little bit, but Jesus had not come straight away. But look at what Martha says in verse 22. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha believed Jesus could still intervene in some way. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus was not asking if Martha believed he could bring Lazarus from the grave. Rather, did she believe that life itself was connected to Jesus? Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. Even though the full implications were beyond her comprehension, she acknowledged that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. It seems that Martha's faith may have wavered in the beginning, but Jesus reassured her that Lazarus is brought back to life. Did you notice the transformation of Martha? Martha? When we first met Martha, she was busy preparing her home and food for guests. This was a worthy thing to do, but for the exact time in her life, it was important to be sitting at the feet of Jesus and resting in his presence. Martha did the right thing in coming straight to Jesus to present all her problems to him and to look at him to give the perfect answer to her problem, but the answer that she received was not the one she was expecting. We catch up with Martha when Jesus comes to resurrect Lazarus and we see the transformation of Martha. She is full of bold faith. Martha wasn't perfect, but she obviously spent time pursuing the presence of Jesus. And now we see how her faith grew. What can we learn from Mary and Martha? we probably all have a little bit of Mary and Martha inside of us. Our priorities, however, matter. It's essential that we make time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do not let our busy lives and acts of service get in the way of spending time in his word. Anxiety doesn't solve problems. Jesus does. Acts of service, hospitality, or a beautiful mark of discipleship, but they should come from a heart of overflowing with Jesus' love, which we develop by studying his word. Fill up, listen, and learn, and grow strong in his word. We don't have to be perfect, church. We We just need a loving heart that desires to pursue Jesus. We need to seek his presence above everything else and enjoy his fellowship. Then you and I will be ready and equipped to do the work that God has called and created us to do. May God bless you, Bridge Church.